We're going to look at uh, various verses today. We're going to bounce around, do some sword drills. But uh, I want to start by, uh, you'll see that's your verse, your memory verse. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, we are in a series where we are looking at where culture and the world collide. And uh, we, have, uh, we have looked at many different topics, controversial topics, difficult topics. Today we're going to close this series out. Lord willing, next week we're going to start the book of Galatians and just look at the reality of a free gospel and what that means. It means a whole lot more than we think it means. And the minute we hear free, we think of things. And that's not at all what the Bible puts forth. But we're going to, Lord willing, start Galatians next week. But today we're going to look at the gospel and prejudice. Whether it's racism whether it's ethnocentricity, that's a big word that means looking at different ethnicities as inferior or superior, whether it's looking at people who are different than you and just assuming that you know everything there is to know about that person because the way they look could be the color of their hair, could be their height, could be their weight, could be what they're wearing. The reality of what we see today goes, goes so much deeper than, than simply racism. And, and I'm not belittling that. That obviously is an issue in our culture today. But the truths that we see go way deeper. E- even to our attitudes about immigration, that's a big deal today. What's our attitude? What's it, what's it based on? What, what's fueling that attitude? Is it fear? Is it love? Is it hate? Is it taking God's grace and just refusing to give other people God's grace? The, the reality is, is from the gospel standpoint, every single one of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, we were aliens. We, we were we, we were the aliens, we were the immigrants. Especially those of us in who are non-Jews. We were grafted in. We were invited in by grace. And I understand there's laws and we're going to be a law-keeping people, but we've got to look at our hearts. So, so what we're looking at today goes, goes way beyond it's, it's exterior judgments. It's looking at somebody and thinking you know them based on the exteriors. And it goes so far, it's so much of our country and where our culture is today, that's what we're dealing with. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, listen to what it says. The context here is Samuel has come to Jesse, who is David's father, he has come to his house, and, and the, the Lord has chosen the next king of Israel from Jesse's family. And Jesse and Samuel assumed that they know who God has chosen, and it was completely based on externals. Completely based on who man in its wisdom, in his wisdom, would choose. And you can imagine, one by one by one, the sons parade in front of them, and God says, nope, nope. 
Hey, but this one's real big. Nope. Hey, but this one's real strong. Nope. But this one knows this. Nope. Hey, don't you have one more son? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about that, that, that runt that's out in the field tending sheep? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go get him. And David would be the next king of Israel. And, and look, look, at, look at what the Lord says. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I think if we were honest, every single one of us has fallen prey to judging people and making uh, inferences and feeling like we know people based on what they look like. Oh, he's bald, I got him pegged. Oh, he's short, I got him pegged. Oh, he looks like that, I got him pegged. Uh, he, she looks like that, I got him. Oh, she wore that dress, it was, I got her pegged. It's part of being a sinner. And God has a way of choosing men and women who are the least likely to be chosen, men and women whom He will get the glory. No, nobody will be more amazed at who's past. and I, I'm serious, nobody will be more amazed at who's pastoring this church than I am. You'll never be more amazed. Never. God, God judges differently. He has different criteria. He sees the heart. We see skin color. We hear, we hear language. We, we see a country or an origin of an origin or a, or a city of origin or a state of origin. We, we see dress. We see all these superficial things and we think that we know the way, what God would think of them or we think we know who they are. Listen, God doesn't work this way and neither should we. More than anything, what I want for us today is to be a people who views people as God does. Who in spite of our differences is willing to take the time to pursue and get to know them. The reality is in the gospel, God pursued us. There were no greater differences than Jew and Greek. And you know what God did? He invited the Greeks in. Greek would be all non-Jew. He invited them in. And, and listen to me. If, if God can have me enter into His presence, and if God can initiate a relationship with me, I ought to be willing to initiate a conversation, initiate and pursue someone else because there will never be a greater difference between me and you than there was between me and God. There will never be a greater offense and a greater reason to not have a relationship between me and anyone in this earth than there was between me and God because of my sin. And yet God pursued me. And today I want to show us really the biblical reason for viewing people and how we view people. I, I want to show the truths of the Bible to try to counter and show some external, to show really external judgments for what they are. Sin. Sin. Racism? Sin. Ethnocentricity? Sin. Looking at people on outside things and thinking you know them without taking the time to get to know them, it is rooted in sin. The reality is, is the gospel changes everything, even how we view other people. 
And, and by God's grace, He'll take this truth and, and, and bring it home and start changing in, in, in me, but also all of us. That, that we'll be a people who, who walk away humbled by God's grace in our own lives and allow that grace to flow into others' lives. And listen to me, I will say on the front end, we're venturing into deep waters here. I, I, I do not want to offend. I'll be the first to tell you, I know no other experience other than being a white male. That's all I've ever known. I, I cannot speak with, with expertise or any experience on what it's like to be anything other than a five foot seven, skinny, bald, white male. That's all I got. I can tell you what it's like to be me. That's all I got to offer you. I have no idea, nor am I pretending this morning, to, to know what it's like to be someone else. To my knowledge, I have utterly no idea what it's like to be discriminated against because of the color of my skin. I have no idea what it's like to walk in a room and feel that. I have no idea what it's like to live in a culture whose history and even of the world that's marred with that. I have no idea what that's like. None. I'm not pretending to. I have no idea what it's like to be judged by the color of my skin. Not that I'm aware of, anyway. I, I have always lived in, quote-unquote, what it is like to... I have always lived in the majority, if you will. And, and, and in some ways, it, it's, it, I say that cautiously because if we're not careful, it, it can be very easy for me to ask for what I'm asking for this morning. The reality is, and what I'm trying to say is, I happen to be part of the color that has been responsible for many, many, if not most, of the atrocities in this world and in this nation. I bear that color, if you will, and I, and I want to move us today to getting away from that, but, but it's very, so hear me, it's very easy. It would be as if four generations ago, my family killed the, part of the Stewart's family, and I'd go up to Lee and say, well, just forgive me. That's easy for me to ask. Lee's family bears the marks. So hear me, I get that, I get that. I know that, that, that this is hard to, it is hard to separate what has been done and where we are now. We're human beings. It's hard. And, and so from that standpoint, it, it's a little scary for me. I, I've tried to study as hard as I could this week and, and approach things from a factual, biblical perspective. To, to see things as the Bible reveals, no matter what the culture says, what the Bible reveals is truth. And I, I want us to move past the worldly kind of constructs of disunity to see things as the Bible portrays them. There, there's a lot to this issue. Is, this issue. We're, we're only going to cover foundations because at this, you need a solid foundation, an agreed upon foundation to build upon to move forward. And that's what I want to do today. So, so let's jump in here. It's already 11.15, and I've done one of about 22 pages. So we're going to make a lot. No, we don't have 22 pages. 21. <laughs> Accor Listen, here, here's some truths. The first one is this. According to the truth of the Bible, every person shares the same Creator. Every single person shares the same Creator. 
You go back to Genesis 1, verse 26, 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. If you go to 1 Peter 3, 7, even, even a husband and wife relationship is built upon this truth. It says, Husband, love your wife as a fellow heir of the grace of life. We're equal. And that's why this is important. Every single one of us, regardless of our differences, originated in God. We bear the image of God. But, but, and, and you say, well, that was pre-fall. Listen to me. Even after the fall, you see the same truth and the same basis put forth. Look at Genesis 5. If you're there, I'm going to read it just for the sake of time. Genesis 5, verses 1 through 3. You can write them down and look at them later. This is the book of the generations of Adam. You see, where, where does the writer take you back? Adam. What did, every gener what did every person at that time share? Adam. Origins. In the day when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. You see it there? This is post-fall. It still goes back to the same truth. We were created in the likeness of God. We are all sourced in God. He created the male and female. He blessed them and named them man in the day when they were created. When Adam lived 130 years, he goes on and on. He became the father of a son and is of his likeness according to his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he became the father. And it goes on. Even after the fall, the same truth is there. God as creator and his creation bearing the image and that is put forth instantly. We bear the image of a creator. Both heavenly, earthly, God, Adam, you trace it back. Look at me at Genesis 9, or write this down, Genesis 9, 6. Whoever sheds man's blood, this is the, the uh, penalty for murder. He says, whoever sheds man's blood, by man's blood shall be for man for by man his blood shall be shed. I'm still working on reading the English language, forgive me. Listen, here's why. So he's saying a life for life. Why? For in the image of God, he made man. Why does man bear, why does man, why do women have value? Because of their creator. Why is life precious? Because we bear the image of a holy God. What it teaches us and what is a foundational truth for all of us to grasp is this. All people share equal dignity before God because we share the same Creator. The goodness of this Bible, the goodness of creation is this, that no human being is more or less human than another. And even that, listen to me, is counterculture. You, you see that. You see that truth in Colossians 1.16. You see it in Isaiah 42, verses uh, Five, you see it in Isaiah 44, 24. You can write those down. You can 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Equal dignity. Equal dignity before God because we share the same creator. Let me read Colossians 1, 16 just so you believe me. For by him all things were created both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Equal dignity. And here's why creator matters. 
We live in a world that wants us to believe that we've evolved from animals. And, and one of the biggest justifications, listen to me, the world will not say this, but one of the, re, the biggest, one of the largest sources and justifications in our modern time for, the, for racism and ethnocentricity is evolution. Listen to me, if we evolve from animals, then certain people are more or less human than others. We're in the process of evolution. Well, some people are more advanced than others. You know what that leads to? Me discriminating against less evolved people. When you eliminate God as the source, you got a problem because now certain people are more or less human than others. That means they're more or less inferior to others. They're more advanced than others. Evolution eliminates equality. Because we're all somewhere on the map. We're all somewhere on the chart. And equality is erased. The world would never admit this, but listen... Evolution leads to racism and the like because people are inferior or superior to others because we're in the process of evolving from animals. And guess what happens? We begin to treat people like animals than other humans who bear the dignity of sharing the same Creator. That's what happens. And here's why. Evolution would have to admit, according to its teaching, the less evolved groups would be less human than other more evolved groups. At some level, they're less human. And that is exactly what motivated the likes of, of people like Hitler who wanted to create a master race. Hey, you know what? They're less than me. Let's get rid of all the lessers and we'll be the greater. And, and hey, but guess what? That's why origin matters. That's why truth matters. And if we're honest, we've, we're a generation, and, you, and you, in my generation, your generation, we've been taught evolution. We've been exposed at various levels to evolution, and it shows itself in how we live, subtly and not so subtly, consciously and, and unconsciously, subconsciously. We've all been there, the thought that different colors are tied to evolution inferiority. These are the roots. And, and they couldn't be, more for, couldn't be farther from the truth biblically. Listen to Colossians 3, 8 through 11. But now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who has been renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Even in Colossians, you know what Paul does? Put on a true knowledge and treat people with this in mind. God created that person just like he created this person. Treat them accordingly. A renewal, listen, to which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, uh, uh, Scythian, I'm sorry, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. You know what he's saying? Put all those differences aside. It's in Christ or not in Christ. Racial and, and ethnic ideas of inferiority tied, tied, to, tied to a certain race or, or an ethnicity are totally unbiblical. But this is what happens when we come up with our own truths. When man's wisdom reigns supreme, this is where we end up. 
that, that, that America is greater than everybody else. Come on. That, that, that this color is superior than this other color. Come on. And, and these worldly, secular teachings have had enormous ramifications, again, consciously or unconsciously. And not only does it affect our immediate relationships, but what about missions around the world? Listen, are all people worth being reached at every cost or not? Because see, if they're, less than, if they're less human than us, or if we value them less than us, then you know what? They're maybe not worth our time. But if they all bear the image of our Creator and they're all sourced in the same Creator, they're worth our time just as much as somebody thought it was worth their time to pursue me with the gospel. And equality matters. What about your strangers? What about, what about your neighbors? Are they worth reaching? Are they worth taking a risk and sharing the gospel with? What, what about our own family? I mean, whether we realize it or not, origins matter. And we have been affected greatly by a world that just wants to think we evolved from a blob. The question is for another day is, where did the blob come from? Last time I checked, nothing, something doesn't come from nothing. Something's got to be there to create something. The gospel, listen to me, the gospel and the trustworthiness of the Bible are dependent upon the truthfulness of Genesis. We can't just throw Genesis away and think, well, I'm just concerned about the gospel. The reality is in Romans 5, there'd be no gospel. The reason why there's a gospel is because what we see in Romans 1 through 3, that man fell. Why did Jesus Christ have to come to this earth and die? Because Adam and Eve ate the fruit and chose to follow their own wisdom over God's wisdom, and all creation fell with him. Romans 5. And God is showing that the last Adam, Jesus Christ, is greater than the first Adam who sinned. Because in one man, sin came to all the world. But guess what? Through one man, Jesus Christ, life has been offered to the whole world. Forgiveness has been offered to the whole world. God has wrapped the whole world up into the likeness of Adam. So that Jesus Christ could die one time for the all of humanity. And that payment would be satisfactory for all who believe. And we bear his identity and thus have supreme value no matter our differences on the outside. Because of our, we're sourced in God. One creator, one God, equality. But not only one creator, according to the truth of the Bible, every single person shares the same race. This is where you're going to have to hang out with me. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to pay attention. Because you say, hey, well, I look around and... We don't, same race. Look, look at, listen to Genesis 3.20. Now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Who was it? Eve was the mother of how many of the living? All the living. All the living. All the living. What you see in Genesis 4 through 11 is really a summary of, of how this played out and the effects of this. It's the, uh, it's the truth of Genesis 3.20. According to the Bible, every single one of us shares Adam and Eve as our origin, the mother of all the living. So you go to Ancestry.com, and I don't know how far you can go back, but skip a bunch of generations and plug Adam and Eve in. 
plug Adam and Eve in, skip a couple generations, skip a generation, and then plug in what we're going to see in a moment, Noah and his wife, and Ham, Shem, and Japheth. All of us. God, sin got so rampant, God, uh, God flooded the whole earth. Look, look at Genesis 10. Further makes the point. Go, turn with me to Genesis 10, because I, I literally, I want you to see this and, and mark it in your Bible. What we see in Genesis 10 is that after the flood, Noah and his family, his three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, they're sent out to different areas. They're sent out. And historically, listen, historically, much of the confusion and the distortion regarding race, this passage has been abused to, to try to preach race and things like that. The reality is it, 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 this, the, this passage, sorry, there's something in my eyelashes driving me crazy. The reality is, is that the truth of this passage does quite the opposite. And, and see, what happened was, they, we, the world started asking questions and, and wanted to know questions about how did all these people groups get to all these different areas and people were rightly trying to answer those questions about how the world was populated but this, got, this text was distorted and begun to be distorted in order to answer good questions. But, but if you read, if you were to read verse 10 or chapter 10, there is this many references to race. This many references to different colors. This many. The, the reality is, is if three men, three men came from the same mom and daddy. Origins. Same parents. We, we see one race in the Bible. It's the human race. The human race. Are there differences? Hang with me. There are absolute differences, and I, I want to get to that. God made one race. He made the human race. All of us share the same origin. He created one people, humanity. I'm, I'm guessing that every single person in here is a human. I'm just guessing. Some of us don't act that way, but we're human. And, and people have tried to use this text, but the question of this text is not dealing with race. It's, it, that's not what it answers. Look at verse 5. I want to show you how, these, how, how they distinguish between these three sons. So you got Japheth, he's sent out. Look at what it says. From these coastlands of the nations were separated into their lands, everyone according to his language, their families, into their nations. Okay? Skip down to verse 20. You're talking about Ham here. These are the sons of Ham according to their families, their languages, their lands, their nations. Go down to verse uh, 31. Now you're talking about Shem. These are the sons of Shem according to their families, their languages, their lands, and their nations. How were they divided? How were they distinguished? By their, by their nationality. Something way deeper than color. Way deeper than color. It, it, this goes so much deeper. They were, they were divided by their land and their nation and their language. This is exactly, if you flip over to Acts 
of verse chapter 17, you can write it down, verse 26. Paul is speaking here, and, and he is just he's addressing the, 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 the idea of an unknown God. And listen to what he says. And he made from one man, this is Paul, and God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and their boundaries and their habitation. Who's responsible behind what we see? God is. But, but it's a national thing. He doesn't distinguish by color. He distinguishes by nationality. Does that involve color? It can. It can. But the Bible divides and distinguishes about nationality. And we'll get to that in a minute. It, it, it doesn't exclude their unity regarding a common genealogical ancestry. We all come from one man, he says. You, you flip back over to, to Genesis uh, 10, verse 32. He says, These are the families of the sons of Noah, according to their genealogies by their nations. And out of these nations were separated on the earth after the flood. Nations. Ethnicities. And listen, to be sure, there is diversity amongst us nationally and geographically, but not according to our origins. Not according to our origins. What, What the Bible puts forth, contrary to society, is a core unity in our origins behind all the diversity that we see. You see a family, Noah's family, sent out to all the different regions. And and without making this too scientific, you can look and you can see very quickly how different colors and all these differences that we see could occur very, very rapidly. I don't want to go into to the where color comes from and all this, all these things. That, that's for another day. You you plenty of I would go to there's a website called eraseourselves.com. Much of this information came from that. Phenomenal research. Phenomenal truths. Here's what I'm cautioning us about. We want to divide ourselves over color, and the Bible never does that. Are we different from one another? Unequivocally, yes. But are we the same? Unequivocally, yes. Our culture has coerced us and taught us to divide people over ways, external ways that the Bible never does, one of which is color of skin. And the moment you start dividing people, it, 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 and the moment we see things the way the world sees them, we treat people the way the world treats them. And we think about people the way the world thinks about them. What I'm trying to say is regardless of skin tones, we share the same roots. Right? To, to judge somebody and to think you know them based on their color is utterly foolish and sinful and contrary to the world. I mean, to the Word. That, that's why our memory verse is for today. Man looks on the outside. God looks at the heart. And, and what this does is leads us to further sin. I, I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm treading on thin ice here. And I'm grateful that we have different, I call, carefully use it, colors here. Historically, uh, Church is a very segregated thing to our own hurt. And I'm treading on thin ice. I, I, I'm not trying to, my heart is not to offend. But, but, but think through this. 
Think about what is white and what is black. What, what about tan? What about different shades of either or? How are they categorized? You see how we start categorizing people externally and we start kind of making more categories? It's not as simple as white or black. What about biracial kids? To categorize people based on externals is foolish, sinful. And again, new categories start piping up. And, and all that, all it does is further divide. It gets tricky when the world is dictating the ways because the world is not omnip omniscient. The world is not sovereign like God is. I'm not saying there are not distinctions between people. Clearly, there are differences in the color of skin and hair texture and physical features. Here's what I'm trying to say, and I'm saying, saying it cautiously. What we see in the Bible, specifically Genesis 10, is the rise of different ethnicities, not races. What, what this is about is ethnic identity, not biology. We, we want to trim things down to white or black, and it's not that simple is what I'm trying to say. And, and here, I mean, let me illustrate this. Consider this scenario. This is a real scenario. I'll give you a couple real scenarios. You travel on a missions trip into a foreign country. Everyone there in that place may share the same color of skin, but what I realized when I drilled down, I was, I've been in places where everyone shared the same color of skin, and there were no less than 30 different nationalities represented by the same color of skin. And every single one of those 30 people were as different as different could be based on where they were raised based on their ethnicity. To stand up and think, well, okay, you're all this color. I guess there's 30 different nationalities represented. Different food, different language, different clothing, different, different patterns. Everything about their life was different. Why? Because of their ethnicity. And beyond that, it, it, it just, it, as we said, it brings in all sorts of assumptions and stereotypes that are, that are rooted in falsities. To label people based on the color of their skin, to think you know them. And listen to me, these things are taught, and I did that, didn't I? I, was, I had a letter that Bradley wrote. It's sitting on my desk in my office, that's all right. We got back from the Dominican Republic in September. And Bradley had to write a paper on anything he wanted. And, and, and Bradley wrote about that trip. And, and Bradley wrote about how much he loved three little girls that he had met at that orphanage. Rarely a week, go, rarely a week goes by in our devotions in our home that Bradley and Sarah Grace don't weep for Jenny. Rarely, Jenny shares nothing in common with our family. See, here's the thing. You take a bunch of kids and you throw them in an environment, they don't love based on color. All they see is another eight-year-old girl that's the same age as them. You know what they do? They love him, thanks. I want to read his words, not because he's my son, because I think they're, they're powerful words, and Karen and I will regularly read this. Read it real quickly. I know where time is precious. He says, It's 7 a.m. and time to wake up. 
The second we get up, we start get dressed. The Dominican Republic is grueling hot. I don't know where he learned the word grueling. <laughs> he didn't learn that from my language. So I put on lo- loads of sunscreen, a hat, and fill my water bottle and sunglasses. When, we, when our bus gets here, all, all of us get on and we go to the SCORE hotel. When we get there, we have 30 minutes until we have to leave for an orphanage called Pasitos de Jesus. When we are there, when we arrive, we stay one hour. And this was his recapturing one day we did this before heading to the owner of Pasitos, Dalma, and her church. While we were there, a pastor who stayed with us gave testimony from the Bible. Then we passed out food bags full of beans, rice, sardines, and small bottle of cooking oil. Everyone got a bag, and every single person that got a bag got prayed over. Even I got to pass out the bread, the, the boxes of food and pray. The, la- and this, what, the last thing we accomplished was going to the home of the people. Every home that we visited got a bag of the food that was in the bags and prayed over. This, this, is, where I, this is where it's emotional for me. After what seemed like centuries... We're talking about a matter of hours. We finally got to go back to the orphanage. And just as expected, my favorite girl, Jenny, was waiting for me. The rest of the day was spent playing with the girls like Jenny, Lady, and Marion, Maria, and Wendy. We played games like volleyball, seesaw, swings, and tag. Sadly, after three hours... Again, of exhilaration. We don't use that word in our household. It has too many syllables. It was time to leave for the last time. On the bus ride home, I could hear almost everyone on the bus crying. In a matter of three days, my son fell in love with a group of girls that looked nothing like him, lived nothing like him, culturally could not be more different than him. Because he doesn't see race. Kids, don't, kids learn these things. And guess who they learn them from? You and me. And guess how they learn them? By watching and listening how we treat others who are different than us. They learn how to treat people who are different because that's how mommy and daddy treat people. They learn how to talk about people who are different because they hear mom and daddy talk about people that are different. These are learned, acquired, they're taught. Racism, ethnocentricity, those kind of beliefs are taught. They're taught, but not by the Bible. I remember, and I'm grateful for the way I was raised because so much of my life counteracted that in the spite of a culture that maybe have perpetuated it. I I grew up and, and I gravitated to sports that were not real cool. I golfed and I was on a competitive bowling team. Not what every parent dreams their kid will grow up to. Jordan Spieth, maybe, or Tiger Woods' parents are probably proud of him golfing. But I golfed and I bowled. I, I was on a four-person bowling team. L- listen, to the, listen to the names. Chris Basham, Harley Huggins, Demetrius Hargrave, Sonveria Knight. Two of us were white. Two of us were not white if you will. They came over to my... Listen to me. I bowled with them competitively for many, many... They became three of my greatest friends. I played basketball with, with, with guys, and of which 
I just this just this week I texted with an individual, Brian Lamb, who is who is in the area, and we're going to try to. We haven't seen each other since middle school. He was one of my best friends. The world would say he's black. I I, I learned that what the world put forth was was wrong. And the Kegels had said on the front end, they have to leave early. They wanted me to know they were not offended or I don't want you all to think all these people get up and leave for their protection. (laughs) Clearly, they're struggling with what we're talking about today. And I don't want you all to think that about them. We'll meet privately with them. (laughs) Here's what I'm saying. I learned to respect them. I learned to love them. I learned that in spite of all of our differences, they were not much different than me. Sure, there were great differences, but there were also a lot of commonalities. And what I'm advocating here is that based upon the fact that God is our creator, based on we share, that we share the same, that we, that we share Adam and Eve and Noah as our ancestors, we share the same ancestry, ultimately we're one race. And what I'm putting forth is I believe that, that the Bible and this can at least bring a good starting point for reconciliation amongst our differences. I'm trying to provide common ground to move us in the direction of reconciliation. The world will want us to focus on all the ways we're different. I'm saying based on all the ways we're the same. Let's move forward in reconciliation. Listen, have you ever been to a family reunion? Listen, there, I go to a family reunion and like you don't want to claim some of the people that are at the family reunion. It, it could not be more different. But listen, what drives that unity? What drives it together? We share same ancestry. So we meet together. Family ties. We're different, but we're the same. And, and, and you know, you think about, you think about Reve- Revelation 5 and 9, Revelation 7 9, where it says every, someone from every nation, every tribe, every tongue will be at the feet of Jesus, praising Him for all eternity. That's a big family. That's like a family reunion. A gathering of people who share origins but come from all over the place. And, and again, what I'm saying is race is, is biological. Ethnicity factors into all the other factors that make us who we are, that make up the differences, whether it's language, culture, social, history, beliefs, how we process things. That, that's, that's, that's culture. That, that's ethnicity goes so much deeper than simply the color of your skin. There's so many different cultures that share whiteness or darkness or whatever, and they couldn't be more different. And to, to, to fall in the trap of, of doing that, I, and I asked Esther about this beforehand, if I could share, because I did not want to embarrass her. I remember we were at Esther's house for, uh, I think it was AK's graduation. And all her family had come in from Nigeria, all over the world she had family that had come in. And here was, I think Barbara was there, and Karen, and Chris, and Bradley, Sarah Grace. And they, they, they fed us, and as we were finishing the meal... 
I got up and I started collecting the plates to, of those around me to go, to go throw them away. And in comes Esther running. I'll say yelling at me. I, she wasn't being disrespectful. She was asking me to stop. And I'm thinking, what's the big deal? Here's the thing. In Esther's culture, in Nigeria, for a pastor to get up and collect the plates and to go around and collect them and to go throw them in the garbage is, an, is an embarrassing for a host. I had no idea, but I was humiliating Esther in front of her friends and her family. I had no idea. And that's because of her ethnicity. That's because of her culture. That's because of where she was raised. They, they serve their pastors. They don't allow their pastors to serve. I'm still, I'd like, Karen, we need to go live in Nigeria. <laughs> Karen. If God ever called, if, you, if your people, Esther, ever need a pastor in Nigeria, come on. I couldn't get up. You come over there, you sit down, and you just stay there, and you're served for as long as you're there. That, that's Esther's ethnicity. That's her culture. Are they different? Absolutely, Esther and Akeen are different. You know what Satan would want to do? Satan would want us to avoid each other because of our differences. To think I know them. I would never know that about Esther. I would never know a lot about Esther and Akeen had I not taken the time to get to know them. But here's the deal. I'm a better person and a better pastor for knowing Esther and Akeen. Even though they're different. And, and that's what... That, you, you look at, Revela again, Revelation 5, Revelation 7, 9... Beautiful picture of multiple nations and nationalities and ethnicities all bowing before, the, before Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And what God is moving us to is to experience a little bit of that here, but of what we're going to experience for all of eternity. And, and ultimately, we've got to admit our prejudices and our judgments that are based upon skin color are rooted in sin. Let's stop beating around the bush and call it what it is. We love to put other, other names on it that sound a whole lot prettier than sin. Profiling and all these other things so we can get around the issue. It's sin. To think that I know somebody based on their color. You know, I don't want to be, listen to me, I don't want to be categorized by a whole bunch of people that share my skin color because I'm different from them. You know what? They're probably saying the same thing about me. So let's not do that to other people. I don't want you to think you know me because of what I look like. And I don't want, I don't want to think I know you because of what you look like. I want us to be a church that, that takes the time and does the hard work to, to get to know each other. Because listen, here's some... some let me give you real quick, you see it on your, your handout. We're different by design, and, and sin did not create the differences. It's simply complicated the differences. And the moment we allow race or other surface issues to, to divide, we're in trouble. Because listen to me, and I'm speaking simply to, to over skin color right now in these. Dividing over skin color leads to the abuse of people who are not like you. Mark it down. We have a history of this culture in this country that says that. We're living today, we are dealing with that. Dividing over skin color leads to the idea of one color being superior to the other. That's the natural progression. When you divide something, you're naturally going to believe one is better than the other. Otherwise, why divide? 
And dividing over skin color prevents meaningful interactions with others. We gravitate to people who look like us and think like us and act like us, and we're hurting ourselves for doing that. Even in this church, same people come to the same seats every Sunday, talk to the same people. Meanwhile, visitors are here wishing they could break in. But you know what? It's hard at times because the same people are talking to the same people are talking to the same people, and they're not one of those people. What what if we were a church that we came here every Sunday looking for somebody that we had never met before, looking for the person that's sitting in the pew like this? They're easy to spot. They're before the service, and they're sitting like this. And we walked up to them, and we invited them in. Hey, come meet some of my friends. Come into the fellowship hall and meet. Come to, come to small group with me. Come in. What, 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 what would that church be like? Even more so when the person looks absolutely different than you. Older, hanging out with younger, and younger, hanging out with older, and different ethnicities and colors and all this stuff. Listen, one race, one color. One creator, rather, sorry. Last point, according to the truth of the Bible, every person shares the same need for a Savior. And this is where it really gets ugly. We don't don't meet people and we don't talk to people who are in desperate need of a Savior. And God God paid the price. He, He modeled for us. In Genesis 12, 3, he says to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. There's one gospel for every ethnicity, every culture, everybody. Why? Because every single one of us have sinned. Fall short of the glory of God. And God in Abraham began the process of reconciling the world, his children, to himself. And it's interesting, even in Israel's laws, if you go back, you can look in, in, in um, Exodus and, and Leviticus, even in God's laws regarding his people, he always made regulation and stipulation for how they were to treat people outside of their ethnicity. Always made a provision. Always made a provision for the sojourner. Always made a provision for the alien. Here's the reality. God is compassionate towards the immigrant, and I'll let that sit. You, you can wrestle with that all you want. That, 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 that has always been the case. God is not ethnocentric. He, he has invited in every nationality, everybody, to come in. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We ought to be that people. In, in Luke 24 verses 46 and 7 he said to them thus it is written that christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in jerusalem no mention of color to all the nations nations that's how they're divided you can look at ephesians 2 you can look at galatians 3 There's neither Jew nor Greek nor alien nor nobody. We're all sinners in God's sight. We're all His children. And He sent His Son to enter this world, to die, to be resurrected three days later, to reconcile His creation to Himself, to make it possible. That's what we have to grasp. And what the Bible puts forth 
over and over is this. It's a picture of God who has passion for all people groups. All people groups. What sin did in separating us, Christ came to reconcile. Not only to a holy God, but to each other. From one people group to another people group. Reconciliation across all of our differences. God has offered that in the gospel. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Even in John 10, he says to Israel, I have sheep that are not of this fold. You know what he's saying? I'm going to welcome in the Gentiles later on, and it's gonna be, you're going to think that's messed up. I got people who are not of this. You know what? God, there are people not of this fold today in all the communities around us that God would love to reach with the gospel. Who look different to us, think different than us, talk different than us. Will we be gripped with God's grace and go after them? On your schools, in your schools, at work, that's where it starts. My, my challenge for us today is to let the gospel sink in and penetrate and renovate every single area of our life. Even our thinking about people who are different than us. And do our differences matter? They do, to the glory of God. Because, listen, the beauty is this. Esther and Akeen, with what God has brought, where God birthed them and, and has walked them, they're going to be able to reach certain people that I may not be able to reach as well. And Chris Basham is going to be able to reach certain people that they may not be, be, be able to reach as well. And the same for you. Do our differences matter? They do in reaching other people. 2 Corinthians 1 3, comfort others with the comfort you've been comforted with. Go after them. Every single one of our stories matter for the gospel and trying to reach others for the gospel. And our differences teach us and train us and make us more Christ-like followers by loving people who are different than us. That's exactly what Christ did. He loved people who were different than Him. And I pray that would start here. I pray it would start here. A church that loves one another in spite of our differences. That we would be motivated by love for one another because Christ loved us First.